Luke chapter 15. So now that I've told stories on everybody, we can go live on Facebook. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 is where I want to begin this morning. And this is Christ telling this parable. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. He invited unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all there, arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. On this Father's Day, I want to preach a message on what kind of father is God? What kind of father is our Father God? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just... Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to call you Father. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for calling me Son and consider me your Son, Lord. That's such an honor, such a blessing, Lord God, and there's a lot of weight in that. And sometimes we forget, Lord God, that when we call you Father, what that means and what, what that implies, Lord, and for you to allow us to call you Father, and what that implies, Lord, when you call us Son and what that means, Lord. And I thank you, Father, <laughs> as, as a... As a young man growing up without a dad, Lord, and looking and not knowing what a dad was like, Lord, for you to show me that through your love and through your grace and through your mercy, Lord. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us, lead God and direct in us, Lord. And, Father, if there's somebody that doesn't know you as a father, Lord, they know you as God, but they don't know you as father, Lord, I pray, Lord, they might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ this morning. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. One of the most famous stories out of the Bible, you hear it referenced all through culture, through American culture at least, is the story of the prodigal son, and this is him. And I want to point out that Jesus Christ is telling this story in a sense, showing you that God is represented by Father here. And they were represented by one of the sons, and he's showing them that how the Father is. He's trying to show you how our Heavenly Father is. And I want to show you through this story how our God, the, how our God, the Father, really is, how he thinks, how he acts, and how it really is. You'll hear people talk about God this and God that and God this and how God is. But I'm, I'm going to tell you now that God wants to be known by you, Christian, as a father. He wants you to look at him as a father. And if you, when we did our study on prayer, one of the first things we noticed when we did our study on prayer, we did a long study on prayer in this church. What we noticed is Jesus Christ never said, you know, when you talk to God, when you're speaking to God, he, he always referred to him as the father. The father. The Father, the Father, the Father, the Father. Why was that? That's how he wants you to look at him. Now, some of y'all have had really, really good fathers. Some of us hadn't had really good fathers. But this is the best father. This is the best father. Now, he allows his son to take his inheritance, and he gives, his son comes to him there in verse 2, and he says, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. Now what that speaks to is our Heavenly Father. What that speaks to is our Heavenly Father. He's a Father who gives us the greatest gift, which is the gift of free will. He gives us options. He gives us choices. Guys, uh, that's the greatest gift you have, is the ability to make your own choice. And that's one thing a kid, a young kid struggles with. And obviously this is a young man, this younger of them, this young man, he struggled with being able to make his own choices. He wanted to get out on his own. He wanted to be able to make his own decisions. He wanted to get out there and, you know, if it's right or wrong, I make the decision. If it fails or if it succeeds, whatever, just let me make my, I want to be my own man. And he, had, he wanted that, but he knew he couldn't go out on his own without any money. 
So he says, Father, just give me what belongs to me. Because he has an older brother that's going to get the inheritance. But he has inheritance also. And to the Jewish thing, I think two-thirds went to the, to the older son, the firstborn. And then the other third would go to this son. And he, this son was, said, just give me what belongs to me. And the father didn't have to do that. Right? The father says, said, no, no, you're not old enough, not going to do that. But the father, the greatest gift he gives us is this free will. The ability to choose. That's what people get wrong, what people get wrong about God. They blame God for all the evil in the world. And the evil comes from God's love. It comes from God's love saying, I love you enough to allow you to have a free will. That's a wonderful thing because with that free will, we are freely willing to love whoever we want to love. But it also gives you the ability to hate and to hurt and to kill and to all the stuff that's not in line with God. But that still gives you the free ability to do it, right? It's a free will. It's a free choice. You have the choice. You don't have to make... You can make... And that's the danger of this. Yeah, you have this ability to go out and do what you want to do, but it also gives you the ability to destroy your own life. One choice. One wrong choice could destroy your life forever. Some young men and some young women have made just one wrong choice and it destroyed them, killed them. Never, they never came home off a wrong, one wrong choice. But our father is the kind of father that wants to give you that ability to make your own decisions. I like that. He's not going to micromanage you. He's not, I'm going to let you go. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be free to be able to do what we want to do. Be free to be able to love and to do these things. And he, but he wants us to do it and to be holy in, in, our, in our actions. And not many days after the younger son, verse 3, gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Don't you know whenever he left home, he knew his dad was an idiot? Don't you know when he left home, he's like, oh, dad, he's so strict. He's, that, he's one of those religious nuts. He's always making me go to church. He's always talking about God. He's always this and always that. And he always, you know, there's times where he could really stick it to somebody he won't do. You know, God, I'm getting tired of dad. And I want to make my own, I'm smart. You know, and we know every teenager knows they're smarter than their parents. Amen. So he cuts out, has the money, he's got money falling out of all his pockets, he goes, he meets all these friends, boy, he's partying, he's living it up, life's never been so good, right until the money dries up. And then all of a sudden, when the money dries up, the friends dry up. If you want to know how many friends you really have, get poor. Amen. Amen. The Bible says it, that, that the poor man, his friends run from him. <laughs> oh, here comes so-and-so, he's going to want something from me, we better hide. So he wasted it and uh, took his journey to a far country. And there wasted his substance of, with riotous living. So that implies when he went to a far country, his dad couldn't know what was going on. And that's what a lot of kids like to do. I want to go to college, Dad. Okay, what do you want to call, go to college? I want to go to college in Utah. Utah? You know, they always want to go as far as they can away from home. Like, you got the best college right here. Just go to college here. No, I want to go over. They want to get as far away from home as they can get. I guess so that you can't find out what to do with it. Amen. And he does. He wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, and there arose a mighty famine in the land, he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He's a hog farmer. That might not mean a lot to some of you guys, but to a Jew, that's the worst thing he could have ever done. The swine and pigs, 
They're looked on as they're the worst kind of animal you could ever be around. And for him to have to go out there and feed the swine and to be slopping hogs, it doesn't get any worse than that. You know, uh, Brother Packer was a pig farmer before he became a, a preacher. Brother Packer was this poor pig farmer. And then his uncle died and left him oil, oil lease. And all of a sudden he went from being a pig, a poor pig farmer to being a millionaire almost overnight. And he told me stories of when he was a pig farmer that he got mad at this one big old hog. He goes, I got so mad at that hog, Kigan. He goes, I got into my old, he called it the lizard. It was this old beat up truck, had no doors, you know, this is all beat up truck. Didn't, it wasn't, you couldn't take it on the road, he just used it on a farm. He got in, he goes, I threw that thing in the, in the low gear and I, and he goes, I, I ran over that old hog, you know. I was so mad at that old hog. He goes, that old hog, he goes, I ran over the old hog and all of a sudden, he goes, boom, he goes, he got stuck and my wheels were going, and that hog was going, And then finally it pulled off. He goes, I didn't even hurt that hog. It just ran off. He tells stories of how God was teaching him patience. I said, how's God teaching you patience? He goes, man, I'd get so mad at that hog, I'd be kicking it. I said, get out of here. And he'd boom, kick it and break his front, his front toe. He'd break his big toe on his leg, <laughs> kicking those hogs. Yeah, hogs. This poor guy here, he's at, this poor kid, he's at the end of his rope. He's having to feed swine. In verse 16, he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Nobody cared for him. So there he is, this kid, he's living it up, he has all these friends, he's partying, he's, he's, he's got a woman on each arm, life's good, and then money runs out, and then life's not so good, then he's going to go have to feed swine, and then nobody's helping him out, and he's actually to a point where he would eat what he's feeding, slopping the hogs with. That's the bottom of the barrel. You want to know something about our Father up in heaven? You're about to find out right here. Did this kid deserve what he got? Every bit of it. Amen. If you're going to go live that way, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> the Word of God tells you. He took the money that wasn't his. He didn't earn it. And he went and he spent it all really quick, partying, women, woman on each hand, and at the end, he has no money. He's getting what he deserves. But verse 17, something happens. And when he came to himself, the prodigal son, he came to himself. What's that? He's sitting there and he's like, he kind of got in his right mind. He's like, hey, hold on just a second. How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. He starts coming to himself. He's sitting there and he's feeding these hogs and he's about to eat the slop. That he's feeding the hogs. And he's thinking, he's like, you know, in my father's house, my father treats the servants better than I've ever seen anybody treated. They got bread and bread to spare. This is the second thing you need to know about our God and our Father, our Father up in heaven. The second thing you need to know is our Father is a very generous person to everyone. Amen. To everyone. Not just to Christians. To everyone. You know our God the Father, he's, he's generous to Muslims, to Buddhists, to Satanists. He's generous to everyone. That's our Father. That's the kind of person our Father is. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Keep your hand here, but look at Matthew chapter 5. I want to show you what Christ said about this. Christ had a lot to say about this. Matthew chapter 5. If you want to follow with me or if you just want to listen, I, I'm about to read it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. 
Christ had a lot to say about our Heavenly Father and how He was. Man, we got a wonderful Father. It's, it's one thing to be generous to your family. And a lot of you are. A lot of us are. We're generous to our loved ones, our family. But it's another thing to be generous to our enemies. To love our enemies. Verse 44, But I say unto you, Jesus Christ says, I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Boy, I don't like that verse. I wish I could just cut that out. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Uh-oh. Amen. You calling God your Father? I do. Well, He expects you to act a certain way. If you're going to be His Son, you need to act a certain way. That you, may be, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain on the just and, the un, and on the unjust. Amen. I don't know about y'all guys, but it rains. God, it doesn't just rain on Indian Gap Baptist Church and then doesn't rain over there where the wicked people are living. It rains everywhere. Sun shines everywhere. Amen. Amen. That's our Father. He's how good he is. Hey, and if you salute your brethren only... What do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Hey, if you're only friendly to those that like you, even the mobsters do that. The point is, is you need to be friendly to everybody. If they, what if, well, they don't like me. Well, be friendly to them anyway. Kill them with kindness. We got a guy at work, Joker knows who I'm talking about. This kid is a murderer. He's a literal murderer. He kills so many people with kindness at work, He's a murderer. God bless you. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. And he, this one guy, he'll walk up there and he'll put his hand out there and that guy won't shake his hand. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and finally the guy will reach out there and shake his hand. God bless you. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. This kid's so naive but he's so, he's so just innocent. He's too nice. You know? He's too nice. But he kills people with kindness. He's like that to everybody, though. He's just not like that to me or to whoever he knows as a Christian. He's like that to everybody. And I commend him for that. And if you salute your brethren, only what do you, what do you more than others? Do not even the public and soul. But ye therefore, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Amen. Your Father has a perfect love. And that's what we should strive for is having that perfect love. That's the kind of father we have. Generous to everybody. And back in Luke chapter 15 verse 17, the prodigal son knows that about his father. He knows his father is very generous. He said, man, my father's servants, they're took care of. They're not only fed really well, they got extra, to, they got extra bread. That's a good father. That's a good father. Verse 18, I will arise. Now look at here. Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Notice, he noticed, notice that the son recognizes that he sinned against God and the father. It's not enough to say, you know what, I embarrassed my family. It's like, you know what, I embarrassed my family, but I'm also embarrassing God the father with the sin I do. I will rise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. 
There's a great truth out of this. The son, he, he, he's there and he's around these hogs. He's like, man, my father's servants are treated better than, 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 than anybody I ever know. He's so generous to them. I'm going to go and I just want to be a servant. I don't deserve to be a son, but I want to go back and just be a servant to this man, my father. He'll treat me good. It's better than anything because here I am working for this man. He has me slopping hogs. I don't have nobody to help me. And my father would never allow that to happen. My father would never allow one of his servants not to have anything to eat. Notice that he's a servant to a man that he's feeding the, that guy's swine. That guy's not feeding him. He's giving him the swine to feed. He don't have anything to do. No man's helping him. Do you see how he's, see, he's noticing when he gets out in the real world that maybe, just maybe, daddy wasn't as stupid as he thought he was. <laughs> My dad, maybe he knew what he was talking about. Now that I'm around some people, that guy doesn't treat me very nice. He's not very kind. And my dad, he's kind to everybody. Amen. Amen. Sometimes as Christians, we shelter our kids in church. We shelter our kids around good people. We try to shelter our kids, make sure they're not around wicked people and not around wicked TV, not around. And then our kids, they're like, I can't say this is so oppressing and uh, that mama made me go to church. And then they get out in the real world and, you know, it don't take you when you're about in your mid-20s. That's when you get the phone call. Hey, Dad. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, really? You know, back in the 50s when TV was real TV, they called it Father's, know, Fathers Knows Best. That's the TV shows. Now the TV shows now is Daddy's an Idiot, you know. You know some new TV shows, new sitcoms? I don't watch any of them, but anyone I've seen, the kid's always the smartest one in the whole family, and the dad's always the biggest idiot, you know. That's how they do it. Anything to demean you fathers. Anything to demean you, anything to take away the fatherhood. They took away the, fa they took away the fatherhood in the 80s and 90s. They didn't want fatherhood. It's all about motherhood. Now in the 2000s, in the 2020s, what are they doing now? They're trying to take away the men, period. You white men are evil. You're oppressors. All the one of you are oppressors, out to kill somebody, out to hurt somebody. It's all your fault. That's not what they think. What this shows you in verse 18 and 19 is a beautiful thing about God the Father. He's a father you can approach when you've messed up your life really bad. See, this son knows, he's like, you know, I can go back home. Daddy's not going to whip me. Daddy's going to allow me back in. You know, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be a son. But he'll let me, he'll let me be a servant. My dad's so kind, he's generous. He knows he's messed his life up bad. He's messed it up really bad. But he knows he has a father that will let him come back home. And he can approach him and say, Dad, I messed up. Now, I, I, I'm speaking for other people here because, you know, I grew up without a dad. But I've heard so many other people say, man, I, I can't go home. My dad will kill me. I can't tell my dad that. He'll kill me. He'll kill me. He'll kill me. No, man. He'll be, no, he'll kill me. You don't understand. He'll rip my head off. He will kill me if I go back. I can't That's not our father. See, he realizes what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, that our God, the Father, is sitting on the throne of grace. Not a condemnation. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful, you know, that when you've messed up, I mean, not just, oh, I did a little bit of sin. I mean, really messed up. 
that you're approaching a heavenly Father that's sitting on a throne of grace. Say, so, come on. What's wrong? I know you messed up. And this son knows him. He knows him really well. So that's what happens. Let's see what happens. So the son, he gets in his right mind and he rises up. And you know that's a long walk. Amen. He's in a far country. Don't you know that when he got up and started walking back, he said, you know, I'm going to go back to my daddy's house. Don't you know what his friends were telling him? His so-called friends? Your daddy's never going to take you back. You embarrass the family. Where are you going? And you know, he don't have no choice. I just got to go home. I just got to go home. You don't you know they were following him down that road? You're making a mistake. He's never going to take you back. Yeah, but I don't have no choice. I don't have nowhere else to go. I got to go home. So here he goes. He picks himself up and he's going home. Before I even get into what's going on at home, can I say this? What if the prodigal son would have went home and the father wasn't there? What if the prodigal son would have walked down that long road and got there and the house is abandoned, windows are broken out? He said, well, I was wanting to go home and there's no home. I'm saying this to you guys that have family. Maybe you have loved ones. Maybe you have sons, daughters. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you have whoever it might be. That they're off wandering off like the prodigal son. I'm begging with you and pleading with you. Don't give up. Keep that light of burning. Keep that home there. Give them a place to come back to. Give them a place to come back to. It's like this church here. We'll have this church open. There'll be... Five people here? There might be 50 people here. But we always try to have it open, amen? And y'all are, y'all, God bless y'all for tithing and keeping the electricity on and the taxes paid and all the stuff it takes to keep this building open. Because there's some people that might be five years down the road and five years, and here they come back into the back doors. And they come in, it's like, well, you been up there? Nothing, I've been nothing, nothing. I just going to come in and see what you're doing and everything. And five years later, they'll leave. And, you know, seven years later, they'll come back in. What is that? What, what, what am I trying to say? They expect us to be here. Amen? And by the grace of God, we're going to try to be here. Because this is a hospital. This is a place where we want anybody. If, if, they're, if they're 10 years down the road, hadn't been here in 10 years, I want them to say, hey, I'm going to go back to Indian Gap. See what they're doing. Why? Because I know they're serving God. If the father wasn't there, the prodigal son wouldn't have nobody to come home to. It's so important to keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Brothers and sisters, if you're anything, you might not be the best Christian. You might, you, there might, be, you might have a million faults, and we all do, amen. But you can be one thing. You can be faithful. Amen. Just be faithful. Just be faithful where uh, the son has gone to a far country but he knows in the back of his mind I might be over here I might be living like the devil I might be the world might be coming to an end but I know there's a home for me to go home to so here he goes he starts walking verse 20 he arose and came to his father but when he was yet a great way off his father saw him Woo! Father, we have a Father in heaven who's looking for you. 
He says, he's a great way off. His father saw him. And it touches me every time. Don't you know that father and his wife, the mother of this son would be up in bed at night and the son has gone off and he's gone off to a far country and the wife would wake up and he's like, she'd be like, honey, where are you at, honey? And she'd look up there and there would be the father looking out the window. I just worry about it, baby. I just worry about my boy. Come on back to bed, honey. It'll be okay. I just worry about him. Don't you know that, that father would just look out that window looking for his son, worrying about him. If you're a sinner, you've been out in the boondocks, you've been out way out in that far country, there's a father looking for you. It says, a great way off. You know what that implies? The father was looking for him. Way off. He's always out there working in the field, working with the servants, working with his other son, working on the field, and every once in a while that father would look up and look down the road. Is my son coming back? But this day is a different day because he looked up and he said when he was a great way off, his father saw him. He looked up and he saw him. Is that him? Hey, I think. And what does the father do? He had compassion. He had compassion. Do you know that you're always on the Father's mind? Amen. Amen. You're always on the Father's mind. I believe, I honestly believe with all my heart, that's why people love dogs so much. It's because every time you go home, the dog is excited to see you. Not like a cat. You walk in the door and the dog's, whoa, gets up in the old tail's wagon. <laughs> he gets up there and he's all excited to see you. You know, you might have had the most rotten day, but the dog's he's just excited to see you. And that cat just looks over there, oh, you're home? No, no, see, I, I say this stuff about cats. I've had multiple people come to me and say, you hate cats. I don't hate cats. I'm telling the truth about cats, amen? Tell me I said anything that's not true about cats. I don't hate cats, but you, I'm kind of warning you so you know what you're getting into if you ever get a cat. That's why people love dogs, because they love them. They're excited to see them. We all ex want somebody excited to see us. Don't that make us feel good when people see us? Hey, look who it is. Here comes that son. The son that left home in gorgeous robes. The son that was took care of clean just standing like a true man and the father sends him off into the world and when you send your loved ones off into the world, we know what happens. They get dirty, they get filthy and he looks up and the father sees a son coming back who's in rags, filthy, unshaven, hair's all unkempt. Here he comes walking, stooped down. This ain't the same man that left. This ain't the same one that left. And the father sees him a great way off. And the father saw him and had compassion. The fifth thing you need to know about our father up in heaven is our father has compassion. That's a wonderful thing, brothers and sisters. The word compassion, come, like compound, compound, passion. It's a compound. It's a mixture of love and sorrow. 
Passion means make you do something. You're passionate. Compassion is a compound of love and sorrow. The father looks up and he has love for who he sees coming, but he has sorrow for what's wrong with him, and he wants to help him. It moves you. Compassion will move you to do something. And Matthew chapter 4, Jesus Christ went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. Mark 1, 4, 1. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. Mark chapter 5 talks about Christ. He says, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. We serve a Savior in Jesus Christ through God the Father that has nothing but compassion. Compassion is not enough to love. Compassion is enough to say, hey, I'm sorry for the condition you're in. Compassion means now I love you, I'm sorry for you, I'm going to do something about it. One of the great verses in the Bible, Psalm 78, 38, but he, talking about God, but he, being full of compa compassion, forgave their iniquity. Man, thank you, Lord. The son comes in, the father sees him, but when he was just a great way off, when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran. <laughs> it's not enough for the father to look up and say, hey, I think that's my son coming. He drops everything he does and he runs out. Some of you sinners out there have lived a wicked life, and I did too. I'm not saying I'm much better. And you're thinking, man, God will never have anything to do with me. God, God will run to you to save you. God wants to save you. He will run to you to save you. What's he do? He, the father saw him and had compassion, verse 20, and ran and chewed him out and told him how he wasted all the money and how he should have never came back home. No, that's not what happened. Amen? That's not my version. Said he fell on his neck and he kissed him. Mm. I can't say enough that the Father just simply loves you. Growing up without a father, I didn't understand that. I couldn't understand how could how could God love me so much? How, you know, I know I know I'm born again. I know I'm in the family of God. I know now God's my Father, but. How does he love me? I didn't understand how he could love me. I didn't understand that love he would have for me. I didn't understand that love. Couldn't come until I had my son. And then when I had my son, and all of a sudden all that love's in me, and all I want to do is kiss all over him and hug him and do all those things that fathers do that embarrasses their kids in front of all their friends, you know? That's what I wanted to do. The father simply loves you. If you don't know how much the Father loves you, let me ask you and beg you and plead you to do this. Get along. Get settled down. Turn off your phone. Turn off everything. Settle down and say, pray to the Father and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I want you to show me how you feel about me. Just pray that. I know some of you think, oh, he's going to show me how much he hates me. He's going to show me how mad he is at me. And how He's out to get me, and I deserve everything I get. And I... 
I know, I know, I got the same feelings. But what's amazing, when you go to this father, he's going to run with compassion and just grab you and kiss you. He fell on his neck and kissed him. Romans 5, 8, Romans 5, 8 says, But God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 9 says, And this was manifested, the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son in the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That's it. That's it. That's the Father you're serving. So you Christians there, I know all of y'all are live, dealing with sin. Y'all go to work. Y'all, you know, it just it's constant in the world. It's just sin, and you, you, you get it's so easy to get swept up in that tidal wave of sin, and you're, you're swept off maybe into a far country, and you're waking up, and you come to yourself, and you're like, what's going on? And man, God's going to be so mad at me. God's going to be this, and God's going to be that. No, let me tell you what kind of father you have. You have a father that loves you, that's looking for you, that wants to run to you, and he wants to hug and kiss you. I didn't tell you this story. Christ told you this story. Right? Amen. I'm not just making this up. He wanted you to know this story so you'd know what kind of father you're dealing with up in heaven. Verse 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father. Let's stop there. See, he had already figured out. He said, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And he says in verse 19, make me as one of thy hired servants. So he gets up there and he's trying to confess to the father. He's down there and the father's hugging kissing and kissing him. He said, father, I know I don't deserve to be your son. I've done this. And he don't even get it all out. But the father says in verse 22 to his servants, bring forth the best robe. And put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Here he comes with no shoes. Walking in the dirt, has his tattered old clothes, dirty and filthy. Has no money, has nothing to show for him. That has any kind of money, he shows up. And the father runs and hugs and kisses him. And before he can get out of his mouth what he wants the father to do for him, he says, hey, bring him the best robe. The last thing you need to know is about God the Father is you have a father that provides for you. This son is... Homeless. The son, son is poor. The son deserves everything he gets. And notice the son recognizes that. The son knows he's a sinner. The son knows he sinned against God and against his own family. And still the father says, I'm giving you the best robe. You know what that robe represents? Your righteousness. Bring forth the best robe. Don't just bring forth the robe that's at the back of the... Bring forth the best one. Your father wants to give you the best. But I've been wicked. I've been a sinner. I haven't been living right. I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to do. God the Father says, I still want to give you the best. Amen. Amen. That's the father we're talking about. Bring forth the best robe. Do you realize that when God allows you to start calling him father, what he's doing is when he allows you to start calling him father a father, that when you call someone a father, they're taking the responsibility of taking care of you on their shoulders. When you say, you can call me father, 
Well, I'm not going to say that just to anybody, amen? If I say that just to anybody, then I have to feed you and take care of your clothes, and you'll come to me and say, hey, you're my father. Yeah, yeah, well, I need 100 bucks because at school they're wanting this, that, and another. 100 bucks, get out of here. I'm not your father, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you said I could call you father. Well, I, no, I'm, I, just, I was just kind of kidding around. God takes it serious. See, a father's job, and y'all men know what I'm saying when I say this, a father's job, what's our job? Number one, provide for the family. It's my job to work. No good man, no good father relies on his wife to feed the family. Now, I know I'm old-fashioned, but that's just the way it is. A man says, I, I got to do something. A good man, a good father knows that first thing he knows, he's supposed to provide for the family. The second thing, he's supposed to protect his family. We take it on ourselves as men and say, no, you're not going to do anything to my wife or my kids. It's my job to take care of my family, provide for my family, to be a nurturer, to be the head of the family, to make the good decision, make sure nothing happens to them bad. we got all this responsibility. Understand when we call God the Father, he's responsible for us. And we, he allows us to be his son. We're, we're respons he's responsible for us. That's a wonderful thing. Because we're, we're, we're just dumb kids. We're just orphans. Homeless. And God comes by and says, hey, I'll adopt you. He puts on him and put him, and look, it said put a ring on his hand. See that ring right there? That means sonship. You belong to a family. Brothers and sisters, you belong to a family of God. And shoes on his feet. Clothing provides for us. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. Praise the Lord. You got a father that wants to just enjoy you. Have fellowship with you. Have a good time. And he says, kill the fatted calf. Kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You want, you want to have real joy? Go to the father as a sinner. Just go to the Father as a sinner and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I've sinned against you. I shouldn't have done it. I've sinned against my family. And boy, you'll, you'll find that peace and that joy through the Holy Spirit that I cannot describe to you. He'll cleanse you and wash you. It's such a wonderful experience. That's why Christians, they call us hypocrites. But we're not hypocrites. We're just sinners. They have a good Father up in heaven that takes care of us. In closing, I want to show you one other thing about our Father. It's kind of interesting. So the, there's another son in this story. Now his elder son was in the field and he came and drew nigh to the house and heard music and dancing. They're all dancing and living it up. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Hey, thy brother has come. And thy father had killed the fatted calf because he had received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Not the father is angry. The brother was angry. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. So the father comes out to talk to the other brother, the other son. He answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. I'm always doing what you tell me to do, Dad. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. You never give me the big fatted calf. But as soon as thy son was come, which that, that which hath devoured thy, li thy living with harlots, see a, a woman on each arm, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. That's the way a lot of Christians are. They see a Christian, they see another brother or sister in Christ mess up really, really bad. And then they get back into church and they start living for God and they don't like it. Well, I know what he did. I know what she did. You know, that's not fair. 
The father says, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. The truth is, Christian, you might be a you might be a Christian that's living for the Lord, has always lived for the Lord, and you've got a great inheritance waiting for you up in heaven. A great inheritance. And you've got a lot of rewards waiting for you in heaven. The truth is, this prodigal son that went off and blew his inheritance, he comes back home. He's got a father. He's got a loving father. He knows it. He's still part of the family, but there's one thing missing now. He lost his inheritance. He don't have his inheritance. Now he's got a place in the family. But that son's got all the inheritance. The other brother. The other son. Christian, if you go out living out in the world, you always have a father that's going to allow you to come back. You're always going to have a father that's going to love you and take care of you. But you're losing rewards. So many people say, well, you're a Baptist. You believe you can get saved and just go out and live like that? And I, yeah, well, I believe you get saved and you stay saved. But this is what I believe. You go out there and you get saved and you start living for the world, you're just losing inheritance. You're just losing rewards. And when we get into eternity, and eternity is a long time, amen, and you lose that inheritance, and you're going to look at some Christians that have suffered for the Lord Jesus Christ down in this world, you're going to look at the way the Lord's rewarding them, you're going to recognize and say, yep, yep, they deserve it and I don't. We have a loving, really, really good Father. And if you don't know Him, you can. And you can't get to know God as a Father unless you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the only way. You, gotta, you must, you must, Christ said, you must be born again. You're born again into the family of God. And if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says in John 1, 12, He gives you the power to become the sons of God. But until then, you're no, no child of His. And don't let the world fool you. You might be His creation, but you're not His son or daughter. You're not until you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You're just not. You can call him God. You can talk about God all day long, but you better not call him Father because he's not yours until you're, until you're born again into the family of God. And the only way you're going to get that is through receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The best news about all that is it's free to do. All you got to do is do like the prodigal son and say, I've sinned against you. I've sinned, I've sinned against my family. I know I'm a sinner, Lord. Will you save me? And the Lord will save you. It's that easy. And you'll, become, you'll be adopted. And the Bible says he'll give you the spirit of Abba. And you'll cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit in you will start crying out, Abba, Father. That way when you pray, you'll say, Dear Heavenly Father. Our Father in Heaven. He's no longer God. He's Father. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord. For being compassionate. For running and hugging and kissing us, Lord God. Thank you for sitting on the throne of grace and not condemnation, Lord. And I pray, Father, somebody on the sound of my voice that doesn't know this love that we find in you, Lord, that doesn't know you as a father, Lord. I pray, Father, that they would come to Jesus Christ, the only way they can get in and receive him as their Lord and Savior, Father. It's not complicated. There's nothing hard to it, Lord. They just need to recognize that they're a sinner, that they need a Savior. And that Jesus Christ died for their sins on the cross, Lord, and recognize his precious blood is the only way they're going to get in, Lord, and just to bow down in humbleness and ask you to save them, Lord God, and you'll, you'll born, they'll be born again. And you'll put them into your family, Lord, and they'll start knowing you as a father. And I thank you, Lord, for being my father. Thank you for allowing me to be you and calling me a son. And thank you for all the benefits that come there. 
In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but... Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.